Whenever the clock changes, I'm glad that I have a watch that doesn't because my alarm is on my phone and I'm pretty sure that my phone is clever enough to change time when the clocks change, but I'm not sure and I need some point of reference and having a watch that won't change unless I manually adjust it like I'm some kind of character in a period drama is my kind of guarantee of what the actual time is. And so I hope you're watching this at the time that you meant to uh, be watching it. Um, and time is on my mind today because we're talking about waiting again. Now, the New Testament is very clear on what the time is. The time is just before Jesus is going to return. That's how the whole of the New Testament feels about the time in which we're living. And last week we saw in Peter's uh, second letter uh, that's recorded in the Bible for us, uh, he starts the final chapter of this by reminding us that Jesus is coming back as suddenly as a thief in the night, as destructive as fire. Jesus will judge all people, destroy all opposition. And the reason for this is that he's going to make all things new, make a place in which righteousness dwells, the eternal dwelling place of God with his people where there is fullness of joy forever. Peter goes on from what we looked at last week to what we look what we're going to look at this week um, to explore how followers of Jesus should live as they wait for this time whether it is going to come in their own lifetime or 10,000 years from now. So let's read from uh, 2nd Peter chapter 3 starting in verse 11. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks of in them of these things. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. This is God's word, and I'm going to share five things from it uh, just now. Um, but I'd love for you to join me at 11.45 on Zoom if you want to talk some more about uh, this passage and perhaps more personally with what we talked about last week. Uh, the link to it is in last Tuesday's news email, and we'll put it in the YouTube chat uh, as well. And it's a chance just to explore, bring your questions, and um, yeah, talk some more. But as Peter finishes this letter, he says five things about how people waiting for Jesus should live. And if you're one of those people, I really want to encourage you to ask God to speak to you today about how specifically uh, he wants you to respond to this message. I feel there are individual things for individual people uh, that God is going to say or is going to stir through what I say. And he wants to grab your attention uh, through his Holy Spirit and he wants to lead you in response. Responding to it. 
So uh, Peter says these five things. He says that we should live lives of holiness and godliness. In verse 11, he says that we should be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. In verse 14. In verse 15, he says, count the patience of our Lord as salvation. In verse 17, he warns, don't get carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. And then in verse 18, he tells us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Why don't we pray that God would speak to us through these things today? Lord God, Jesus, our Saviour, Holy Spirit, our counsellor and guide, would you be at work in us right now, in me as I share from your word, in each of us as we hear your word spoken to us. Oh God, we want to live in anticipation of Jesus' return and we want to know what we should do now about that. So please speak to each one of us. Give us ears to hear what you're saying and faith to respond. Amen. Okay, so let's look at these five things. Firstly, holiness and godliness. These are words with bad reputations, aren't they? Most people, when they hear that kind of thing, they think about people who keep their distance from others and would never, ever want to have any fun. But Peter learned how to be holy and godly by spending time with the most holy and the most godly, literally, person who's ever lived. And he was fully involved in ordinary life and who most people loved being around. This is, of course, Jesus. The meaning of holiness includes belonging to God and and godliness. That word kind of means being like God. And Jesus shows us what true holiness and godliness look like. And it is beautiful and it is radical. Peter actually uses the plural words here, uh, which they don't translate very naturally into English. It would be like holinesses and godlinesses, and that just sounds weird. Um, But what it put me in mind of is that phrase that sometimes people use, I guess when they're trying to settle like arguments between people, they say, oh, well, there's no right or wrong way to do such and such a thing. And I find that frustrating because clearly there are wrong ways to do lots of things, like landing a plane. If you land it upside down, that's the wrong way. If you land it in a different destination to which it was intended for, that's probably the wrong way to land it. So there are right ways and wrong ways to do things. But What that phrase can often mean, and I think what Peter has in mind here, is that there can be more than one right way to do a thing. And I think that's what those plural words mean for him. He's saying that there are a variety of ways in which we can live holy and godly lives. There are many different things that we may do because we belong to God and are showing others what God is like. Within those two essential principles, there's a lot of scope for holy and godly creativity as we respond to the Spirit's leading. So it may mean specifically uh, choosing a certain job for you or specifically choosing to live in a certain area. Or it may mean that whatever job you end up doing, the way you do that is holy and godly. And wherever you end up living, the way you relate to your neighbours is holy and godly. It may mean for you focusing on an area of service that you feel really called to. Or it may mean simply finding out what needs done and joining in with that. Peter's point here is that we are constrained in what we do now by our anticipation that Jesus is going to return and talk with us about what we spent our time doing. And we want to be ready for this. We don't want to have wasted our waiting by living for ourselves and doing whatever it is that we want to do. 
He's going to talk with you about the ways in which you lived a holy and godly life. That's what he wants to talk with you about. And can I just say really simply, you want to have a lot to talk with him about at that point. You don't want there just to be a kind of couple of isolated things here and there. You want it to be about your whole life. So where then in your life is the fact of your belonging to Jesus and representing him to others making a specific difference? Is there something that maybe you've been putting off or, or avoiding because it's, it's presently costly? And God's just wanting to tell you, actually, it's eternally valuable. And he wants you to start seeing it in that light and make decisions accordingly. Peter's second point develops this idea of holiness as he talks about being diligent to be found in, by him um, without spot or blemish and at peace. Now, when uh, someone with a Jewish background like Peter talks about spots and blemishes, he means Old Testament laws about uh, who could approach God, uh, specifically which people and which animals even. So Leviticus um, in the Old Testament said that a priest with physical imperfections could not come into the most holy place because that's where God dwelt on earth and God was perfect. And so nothing imperfect could come into his presence. And similarly, uh, Leviticus talked about the animals that couldn't be sacrificed uh, to God uh, if they were anything less than the best for essentially the same reason. Now both of these laws were meant to tell us about God's perfections and our separation from him because of his holiness and our sinfulness. But they also point towards the solution to this problem because God himself would one day become our perfect priest reconciling us to him. And he would become our perfect sacrifice, faultless and infinitely valuable, so that all our sins could be atoned for. It's by believing that Jesus is our high priest, our perfect sacrifice, that we are cleansed from every spot and blemish that is in our lives. And so Peter is saying, Jesus has made you pure, so make sure you don't live in any other way. Christians are not people who say yes to Jesus once and then get on with the rest of their lives. They are people who say yes to him every day, throughout their day, and for all their days. When we realise we failed to do this, we come back to him in repentance, and he graciously forgives us, and he makes us clean again. All the spots and blemishes that we've caused or had caused to us, they, they go and we can live again in this pure way. And one of the results of that, uh, Peter then says, is that we are at peace. If you're struggling to feel peaceful at the moment, COVID-19 may not be entirely to blame, although I'm sure it's a significant factor. Is there something you're doing or, or you have done that you haven't, uh, you haven't repented of? And you know that you don't want to have a conversation with Jesus about this when he returns. Talk to him about it now. Make your peace with him now by repenting and receiving his forgiveness. And this peace will come and it, we experience it as we realize we're not striving for God's acceptance, but he gives it to all uh, who repent. We're not desperately trying to be perfect in our own strength. We've failed, we've messed up. And yet when we come to him repentant, he forgives us. We're not carrying a burden of guilt because when we ask him to take it from us, he graciously does. The peace you need 
comes only through repentance and forgiveness. The third thing Peter has to say to us is that everyone needs this peace. He reminds us of what he said in verse 9, that Jesus has not returned yet because he wants more people to put their trust in him and be saved. Jesus' patience is salvation for anyone who believes in the time that he gives them. And we're in that time right now. If you haven't put your trust in Jesus, he is giving you today, this moment, to do that. For those of us who have done this, knowing that Jesus is going to return in judgment, we must warn people now that this is the day of his mercy. This is the day of salvation. Now, there are structures that we as a church have put in place uh, to help with that. In the past year, uh, we've done six Alpha courses. That's way more than we've ever done before. Our Path of Disciple programs are ready to go at a moment's notice. Uh, They're free to download and they can help you or people you know have Jesus as a firm foundation for life. But Christians, this this begins with you and me individually. Many of you uh, in Kings may have done Share Life back in the autumn, which uh, was about helping us learn uh, to to tell people about Jesus and helping us learn to do that more and to do it better or more effectively, more confidently. And there was a little bookmark that was uh, produced, which has this really simple order of actions that we can take to help others know about Jesus. It was that we prayed for them specifically, that we be a friend to them, that we invite them to consider Jesus, that we encourage them to receive him as their Lord and Savior and be baptized, and that finally we accompany them in their new life. Now, this isn't like a conveyor belt. It's like one, the other, the other, the other, the other. That's how it works. That, but it's like those are the stages that we want over time uh, to, to bring people through. And, and so the question I've got for you today is, what's the next stage in this sequence for the people you know? What can you do this week in the hope that they might begin to take another step? So really practically, just for me today, I sent a text message to someone. I haven't caught up with them for a while, and I need to. And as we're getting to know each other, it's a very simple thing. Just send a text. Just to say as well that if you are watching this and you aren't a follower of Jesus, you haven't put your trust in him, I want to urge you, you need to. You must. And the way you can do this is by exploring who he is, by speaking to people who know him and who can help you ask good questions and find reliable answers and understand what it means to have faith in him. And here at King's, we would love to help you with that. There'll be contact details uh, in the YouTube chat if you're watching live. Uh, You can email us at any time. Uh, We would love to speak with you about this. Fourth thing, if you've read the second chapter of this letter, you'll know that Peter has some very strong words uh, for people who are teaching false things about Jesus and about Christianity. And Peter returns to that topic here. Uh, He says that they are unstable and that they twist and distort Paul's teachings and the teachings of the Old Testament as well with deadly consequences. They deny who Jesus is and what he's done for us. They contort what he said and what the apostles said about how we live a life of obedience to him. Peter doesn't want Christians fooled and ruined by this. 
Jesus has put us in a safe and stable place, loved by God, saved by grace, kept for glory. False teaching will drag us away from this and into serious danger. Now, if you want to make sure that this isn't happening uh, for you, I really want to encourage you to listen to a preach that Matt did here at King's just a couple of weeks ago. And it was on this subject. It was absolutely brilliant. And um, you can find it on our website, on our podcast, on this YouTube channel. Uh, It's called Springs Without Water. And it, it will really help you to work this through. Are you being deceived or are you getting the truth? Are you getting it from good people? I know that there are, there are teachers who are smarter and, and, and funnier than me and the other guys at King's and even the people we bring in uh, to speak to us from time to time. But if you're part of King's, we're your guys. We have the God-given responsibility to make sure that you know the truth and how to walk in it. And we take this really seriously. We're not saying that we know everything, but we can usually tell what's good and what's not, what's helpful and what isn't. You aren't meant to figure this out. None of us are meant to figure this out in isolation from one another, but in community. And that community should include people who who know the Bible well and are able to help you learn more about it. I think this is something that God's particularly called me to do. I love doing it. And um, that's one of the reasons that we've put together these I have questions sessions like we're going to at 11.45 today. It's to give you a chance to ask about this kind of thing, really in kind of any topic. Um, Because I just love finding good stuff and and sharing it. And I kind of tend to have a sense for bad stuff as well. And just happy to give kind of perspective and advice if it's needed. This doesn't mean I'm going to read every book that you've read just to make sure that that it's an okay book but I, I, I like helping in this way and I'd love to help you with that. Fifth and final reason, and this, what we've looked at just leads us into Peter's final encouragement, which is that we, as, as we anticipate Jesus' return, we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of him. See, the moment you put your faith in Jesus, incredible and complete changes happen. So you go from, in a moment, from being an enemy to being a beloved, adopted child. It happens. You go from being trapped in the kingdom of darkness, being brought into the kingdom of light. Your citizenship has changed. You are a new creation. Many of us, when this happens, experienced radical changes, uh, behaviours that we'd done for years just suddenly stopped, ways of thinking that had troubled us our entire lives, maybe, just changed in a moment. But there are a lot of things that don't change in that moment that take time. God wants to grow us. And he wants to make us more like his son. And that happens through daily decisions, through slowly worked out choices and creation of new habits, new ways of thinking. A day will come when we are finally transformed to be like Jesus. In anticipation of that, we try to grow each day more like him. And both grace and knowledge of Jesus are gifts from God. And they're like the gift of a good meal. If someone gives you a good meal, there's something you need to do to, 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 get, to make the most of that, which is you need to tuck in. So 
There's a whole load of ways in which we can do this. It can be just realizing how patient God is, how he doesn't try and change everything in us, doesn't fix everything in us in like one day. Um, but actually, he, he works these things out over years. He's patient with us. It can be recognizing that every good thing we have in our lives comes from him, from the next breath we take to the greatest gift we've ever received. All of it is gift. None of it is earned. It's the grace of God. It's experiencing his love first thing in the morning and last thing at night. It's knowing that we're cared for. It's asking for forgiveness and receiving it again and again. It's asking for help and receiving it again and again. As we do these things repeatedly, repeatedly, we grow in the grace that God has for us. The New Testament never separates these experiences of grace from the knowledge of who Christ is. The facts of who he is are the reason that he is patient and good and loving and kind and gracious. Now, the knowledge of Christ is vaster than the universe and more intimate uh, than the person who loves you best in the world. We discover these riches through reading and studying and hearing God's word, through encountering his Holy Spirit, who the Bible says leads us into all truth, and through being in a church community where this truth is discovered and worked out together. And the more we know him, the more we love him, and the more we will eagerly anticipate his return, even as he makes us more like himself. So, we're about 25 minutes or so closer to Jesus' return. As you wait for this, not passively just kind of sitting around counting the days, but actively getting ready, what is the next change that you need to make? Maybe it's in the area of how you live your life. These holinesses and godlinesses that Peter talked about, these responses to the Spirit's leading, these choices of how we use the time that we have been given. Maybe it was that first point. Maybe it's a decision in that second area, in the purity of your thoughts and actions and in, in that your need to make peace with God. Maybe it's about sharing life with someone who needs it. What can you do this week to help someone understand more about the hope that you have. Maybe it's in getting trustworthy biblical truth into your head. Maybe it's about stopping uh, listening to voices that are really unhelpful or confusing. Maybe those voices might even be your own. Maybe you've just been like, yeah, but I've got my own preference. And you just need to actually submit to the truth of God's word. Or maybe it's about growing in your awareness of God's grace to you and your awareness of who Jesus is. I am hoping that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you through this, pinpointing some things, maybe just one thing, and saying, this is what I want you to do next. What I want to encourage you to do is to speak with him about this right now. I'm going to put the five points up on the screen. There'll be a little bit of music just for a couple of minutes. It's an opportunity for you to speak to God and to hear him speak to you and for you to make decisions as you eagerly await Jesus' return.